Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. My name's Pete and I'll be your host. In this week's show, I'd like to take a look at marketing. Specifically, how do restroom operators let potential customers know about their products and services and encourage them to sign up and place orders? Now, this is all connected to my previous episodes about strategy, vision and mission, but I'll get to that in due course. Before we start, I'd like to share a disclaimer. I'm not a marketing specialist and this episode is not a masterclass in how to advertise your restroom operation. Rather, it's very much based on my experience and opinions as a practitioner. Now, I was hoping to include interviews with a couple of marketing specialists. One is a branding expert and the other helps businesses use web funnels to generate growth. Unfortunately, those arrangements take quite a long while to put together, but if everything goes to plan, I'll be able to bring those interviews at a later date. If you run a Google search for the term marketing, you'll get over 2.6 billion hits. Search on the word advertising and you'll get over 6.4 billion returns. With numbers like that, you have to assume that everyone knows what marketing and advertising mean, right? Well, maybe not. Both terms have quite a simple meaning, which I'd like to share. Marketing refers to the work a company does to encourage people to buy their products or services. That typically includes advertising, selling and distribution, which is making sure that customers and other businesses have access to the products and services that you're offering for sale. Advertising is a marketing tactic that's used to promote the products or services in order to reach the people most likely to be willing to buy them or pay for them. Now those are very simple definitions, but in practical terms, advertising is done as part of a wider marketing strategy. And when I hear people talk about advertising, I always think of commercials on the TV or the radio or billboards at the side of the highway and glossy adverts in magazines. That's really quite an old-fashioned interpretation and it reflects my age because advertising today in our multimedia Wi-Fi-enabled device-connected world is very, very different. Now, I can't ever remember seeing an advert for a portable restroom operator on traditional TV. I've heard a few ads on the radio, but I can't remember seeing them on TV. Now, there are probably some good reasons for that. The high cost of TV ads against the relatively low value of portable restroom hire. Maybe the local nature of the operator's zone restricts their televisual reach. That said, there are plenty of other channels that restroom operators do use to advertise, whether they realise it or not. The most obvious and visual opportunity is the outside of the toilet cabin. A consistent model, make and colour, prominent logos or signs with a company name and number are easy wins. It's so obvious, but many operators don't make the most of that opportunity. And that's such a shame because it comes free. Well, sure, you have to pay for the toilet and you have to buy the stickers or signs, but few site managers will put restrictions on the branding that you use on your toilets while they're on site. The obvious exceptions would be sporting events, where high-profile brands pay big bucks to feature as the naming rights sponsor or have their brands displayed on the hoarding or signs around the stadium or ground. I've certainly worked at events where the restrooms had to be hidden from view behind high-temporary fences covered in opaque netting or scrim, but I've never been asked to cover signs or remove branding when the toilets are on a construction zone or a building site. If anything, the site managers wanted the restrooms to be as visible and as noticeable as possible. If the workers can see them, they'll get to them more quickly than if they have to hunt around the site. And if the restrooms are in plain view of everybody else, there's perhaps less likelihood that workers will hide away for a crafty cigarette or take longer in there than they should. And all that gives the restroom operator a perfect opportunity to advertise for free. 
Of course, that will have the most impact if the branding is as clear and obvious as possible and the restroom is presented in a way that creates the most favourable impression as potential customers pass by. Unfortunately, though, that's not always the case. I remember driving to a large international airport a few years ago. Several miles of new highway were being built parallel to the existing road. The whole worksite was in clear view of passing traffic in both directions, and this was a busy hub, so there were literally hundreds if not thousands of cars, buses and trucks passing by every hour of the day and night. One restroom operator had won the contract to supply all the construction toilets on that site, and they were dotted along in the construction zone every three or four hundred yards. I didn't count, but I imagine there were maybe a hundred, maybe a hundred and twenty toilets. That was a fantastic opportunity to let everyone who passed by know about that brand, but I was amazed to see the most poorly presenting ageing fleet of battered toilets you could imagine. They all belonged to the same company, but there wasn't any consistency. For a start, they had every different make, colour and design of toilet. Some had signs on the doors, some had signs on all four sides. Many didn't have any signs, and when they did, the signs were often torn or on the wonk. And the toilets looked dirty, the roofs were covered in lichen, the walls were splashed with mud, and none of them looked, well, how can I say it, appealing. Now, I didn't open the doors, so I can't say what they were like inside, but from the outside appearance, I didn't see enough to make me think I'd want to use those restrooms or sign up with that company as a client. Branding toilets should be a priority for every restroom provider, and I have to say, some companies do this really, really well. That said, a lot only put one sign on the door, which means there are three sides of real estate that they're not using. I'll go into the science of stickers and signs in a later episode. I know that they can be difficult to apply and even harder to keep stuck on some types of plastic, but it can be done. And I know they're not cheap, which is perhaps why many operators fix a sign only to one side, usually the door. All I'll say is that putting a sign on every side of the cabin will let everyone who passes by know that it's your unit, regardless of which side of the cabin they can see. Of course, signage has to be done right. The signs need to be in the same place on each side and they need to be level. That's not just me being OCD. The best indicators of future performance are past and present performance. If you can't do a simple thing, like fixing a sign on the door, customers have every right to worry about whether you'll clean the toilet or whether you'll send an accurate invoice. Now we all know that toilet cabins have a hard life. They do suffer wear and tear and they get weather beaten. Signs do get damaged and come off. And not every operator has the luxury of a consistent fleet that comprises of the same type, colour and make of toilets. But those things don't need to be a barrier to consistent branding. Checking the visual appearance of the cabin and making good any repairs should always be done before a toilet leaves the yard and it should be checked again every time a driver visits that toilet on site. And if you listen to my previous episodes about servicing and site visits, you'll know that the SOPs I developed for my client included a deliberate check of the signs at every service. Next to toilets, company vehicles are another important channel for branding. In fact, pump trucks, pickups and trailers probably have a wider visual impact because they travel around, so potentially they're seen by many more people each day than a single toilet on a static site. Again, that provides a free opportunity to impress. Now I'm not saying that every operator needs to run around in a brand new truck, and let's be honest, pump trucks do get some serious abuse, so it can be hard to make them look good, but it can be done. Displaying your company name, logo and telephone number on every truck is a given and doing it in a way that makes people smile can be an effective way to promote your brand. 
The next asset with street presence is your company office or yard, and here I'd include everything from the sign above the door, the fence line around the perimeter, and the physical appearance of your yard. An untidy yard with old pallets in a heap, rubbish on the floor, trucks abandoned at the end of the day in any old space, and toilets jumbled together in no clear order says that your business is in chaos. It tells people you really don't care. A tidy yard with toilets in strict lines all facing the same way, trucks reverse parked in a neat row and a dumpster with a lid tells everyone passing by that you run a tight ship, that you've got discipline and well-defined systems. Similarly, a neat office with clear desks will impress clients much more than a messy office with piles of loose paperwork and stacks of miscellaneous boxes piled up by the window. Like I said, the best indicators of future performance are past and present performance. And good housekeeping not only looks good, it makes the workplace much safer for visitors and staff. The last element on my list is the presentation of your staff. How do your people look when they climb out of the cab or meet guests at the front desk? Small things like branded shirts, clean boots and tidy hair go a long way to create the right impression. And remember, most people wouldn't deal with human waste if you paid them, so it makes sense to give your crew a head start by helping them look professional and appear as if they know what they're doing. It all adds up. Those four elements, restrooms, vehicles, premises and uniforms, are the tangible physical things that potential customers will see as you go about your business. But there are a whole set of other opportunities that can have just as much positive impact if you get it right and negative effects if you don't. Perhaps the most obvious is social media. It's everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, the list just goes on. Should every restroom operator have a social media presence? Absolutely. Can you operate without one? Of course, but there's always the fear of missing out. The issue here is that social media is unavoidable these days. When people look for supplies, they do it online. They use a web browser and they use Google Maps. If you don't have a presence, you won't appear in the results. Or if you do, it's because you've been trawled by a third party app and you can't control what they say about you. If your business does have a web profile and social media accounts, the information needs to be up to date. You should include an accurate email, a phone number, physical address and your opening hours. Nothing says you're past it or out of business more than a stale or stagnant account where the last thing you posted was in 2015. I don't think you need to post every day. Companies that do that will actually discourage clients because people get fed up with constant posts so they mute or unfollow your page. That means they won't see anything else you post which kind of defeats the purpose. Now some restroom operators do manage their social media presence really really well. My previous guests at Prestige, Texan, Jbar and Airvote really do post some fantastic content. But they're not the only ones. Check out posts from companies like Honeybucket, Green Latrines, Let Lose, Hero Site Solutions, Peapod and Madam PP for companies that do social media really well. They post fun stuff, videos and photos of their toilets on site. They use interviews with staff and reactions from guests. They even see the funny side when things go wrong. And with portable toilets, we're only ever a splash away from disaster. Of course, having a presence on social media means you're always going to attract a negative Nancy or dissatisfied Dave who posts nasty things about you because their drive was blocked and you couldn't get in to service their loo. When people like that have something unpleasant to say, they'll always find a way, whether they say it on your profile or not. The best way to respond is promptly and politely. That will say a lot about your values as a business. Now, lots of companies employ a social media manager or they delegate the role to one member of staff. Having one person responsible for content gives you a consistent voice and it reduces the risk that different team members will make contradictory posts or share things you'd rather not repeat. 
and with social media it's easy to restrict access because accounts are usually password protected. In a smaller business, the owner-operator might do it themselves or delegate that to a family member. That's okay if they have the time and skills and if the owner sets clear guidelines about content and timing. And as I said earlier, too many posts can be just as bad as too few. Companies that have a clear vision and mission and well-defined values can use those to guide their social media posts. And consistent messages certainly help to bring those strategic statements to life. Another alternative is to draft a social media policy and use that to make sure that everything you release reflects your brand and helps to promote sales. Remember that social media is a powerful tool and it's an immediate way to share your message with a very wide audience. It generally has a global reach and it happens in real time. And as soon as you post, it's online. And unless you take it down, it will probably stay there forever. And that means it shouldn't be taken lightly. We've all seen how things can go drastically wrong, even years after the event. I'll be looking at branding and marketing in more detail in future episodes. Now, these subjects can be just as relevant to any business as they are to operators, suppliers and manufacturers in the restroom industry. But if everything goes to plan, I'll be joined by marketing experts who work in this space in our industry and they'll share some good advice that will help listeners to get the best results from their marketing campaigns. I'd like to thank Curtis Ingalls from Crapper King who signed up as a patron this week. Curtis is now enjoying early access to every episode and bonus material that's not available anywhere else. See the links in the notes for today's show if you'd like to know more about becoming a Get Flush patron. Now, Curtis is also a regular participant in the Sanitation Conversation on Clubhouse, and that's now available as an Android app as well as on iOS. You still need an invitation to join Clubhouse, but the good news is I've got plenty of those, so let me know if you'd like to join in and I'll sort that out. With just three episodes left before the season break, I'd like to invite listeners to submit questions, comments and anything else they'd like me to cover in the end of season finale. Just drop me a note on social media or email info at getflushed.online and I'll include it in the show. Once again, please remember to tell your family, friends, colleagues and strangers all about Get Flushed and encourage them to listen in. Even better, get them to follow the show on their podcast app so they get the next episode delivered direct to their device. Thanks for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed 